0: Welcome to Passion to Power with your host, Michelle Zeitlin. She's a creative producer who quote-unquote wears many hats. She's also a talent and literary manager and founded the company More Zap Productions and management. She develops people and projects across all media. Her guests encompass the gamut, from artists to authors, actors to activists, programming executives, development executives, and A&R. Michelle Zeitlin is excited to share her tips and tools for success through her conversations mostly via Zoom during quarantine. Please welcome Michelle Zeitlin, Passion to Power. In doing some research about you, I had a feeling you were someone I have to know. And, uh, you know, the the expression in the the military, need to know, I'm a need to know kind of person. So when I need to know, I, I reach out. And uh, one of the things that I haven't covered in this podcast, which has really been growing a lot internationally, is the world of how branding is also using storytelling we are I'm in the entertainment industry we use the worlds of television and film and digital to tell stories and I have noticed a real. a meeting there, uh, an integration of how advertising is now really doing beyond the, the short form ads, they're really telling stories, you know, completely scripted. And so I'd love to hear from you, but before we do, I want you to just announce yourself and give me sort of a snapshot of your name, your position and kind of how you arrived here in this lovely swing chair on your porch.
1: Well, thank you, and, uh, and, and, and thank you for searching me out, Michelle. Um, my name is Andy Beckman. I'm the CEO of Sidley in the US. Um, we have offices in Los Angeles, which is our headquarters, of course, and, uh, and also Seattle and New York. Um, I've been with Sidley about a year and a half now, so I joined right before uh, this wonderful pandemic locked us out of our offices, and uh, so I've hardly... My feet have hardly touched the ground and my bums hardly touched the seat in Sidley. But yeah, I find myself in this uh, amazing, uh, eclectic, creative company. Um, Personally, I've spent my lifetime, my career in in advertising and marketing, in digital, as well as uh, um, consulting roles, uh, in multiple markets in Australia, the UK, uh, um, the US. This is my second tour of duty in the US uh, and, uh, and um, uh, the first on the west coast I must say. Um, but I've had uh, a, a number of different global roles that includes research and strategy. I've been a management consultant. I've been a client on the client side. I ran marketing at a big telco and I've worked for uh, uh, agencies and creative companies large and small. So, um, so yeah, I find myself in this uh, amazing organization called Sidley. We are about 28 years old, um, founded in Montreal, in, in Quebec, Canada, and really born off the back of Cirque du Soleil. Uh, Cirque du Soleil were an early investor in our business and a longtime uh, partner. We've been their creative partner now for 28 odd years. We've helped them with everything from naming shows to ticket sales and promotion and marketing, naming uh, uh, shows along the way. Um, And I think it bred in us uh, a a number of things in terms of values and who we're about and what we're about. We're not a typical advertising agency. Um, I don't know another advertising agency on earth, for instance, that has 100 odd people in its architecture practice, but we build buildings and and, um, and both interior and exterior and help build communities. Um, We're designers at heart. Designing experiences more often than we're designing um, communications, and um, and I think given our heritage of Montreal and Quebec, um, we didn't know what we didn't know, so we weren't necessarily um, saddled with uh, how the industry works, if you like, and so we found ourselves operating in many and varied. Uh, areas bringing creativity to business challenges to help clients differentiate themselves help them grow help them change um, and at this moment in a time when the industry around us is changing a great deal we find that a lot of what we are doing that's core to who we are is actually increasingly relevant rather than less relevant so it's a good time to be uh, at Sidley and we're we're changing and growing. It continues to be a project. Although it's 20 years old, we don't feel like it's um, by, by any means grown up yet. And, uh, and we've got a lot of learning and listening to do in order to do that. So that gives you a, a bit of a picture. The kinds of work that we do range from main title sequences for many of the Hollywood studios. Um, last year, we won an Emmy for uh, Godfather of Harlem uh, our title sequences. All the way to experiential work, we've um, been a long-time partner of the Raptors in Toronto. We the North was our invention uh, that motivated the movement of the whole country to support in the last uh, um, uh, basketball finals, uh, where they they found themselves in a winning position. Um, Through to more traditional corporate brand assignments, uh, uh, advertising and marketing, social media and marketing, community building has been a big part of of that. and and, uh, and so I think that whole area of storytelling has been kind of in our DNA uh, experiences of stories and narratives. Um, advertising has long been actually about storytelling about, about um, finding a way to connect with an audience through um, in many ways fables that we apply then to, to brands and then certainly in building communities whether it's been helping TikTok double in size in in America or helping Netflix grow their, their, uh, their influence uh, across different show genres. Um, it's been about creating the kinds of stories that engage communities of people and fans and give them something to engage with and share. So storytelling is really at the heart of that. Uh, always has been, and I hope always will be.
0: So you've said a mouthful, and I can't tell you. I'm just like I'm sitting here, like tingling with excitement, and I I keep wanting. Oh. But, but, oh, 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 I want to interrupt, but I just wanted you to get it all out. Tell me a little bit more about the community aspect. I recently did an interview with someone at Facebook, actually, who was mm-hmm. in the community site as well. And I'd love to hear what that means. Um, I was very interested when I was doing a deep dive into your work about the North Face project, the reset, and how diversity and, and community seems to be very much an important factor in your current uh, business model.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, look, I think there's uh, there's a number of threads to this that are, le- that are forcing us to look at this subject in a different way. Um, the first is the, the shift in business model uh, that we've seen um, over the last probably 15 years from what we can consider a post-industrial revolution organization that owns all the factors of production, you know, factories and distribution systems and so on and makes things to an organization that creates platforms and marketplaces where buyers and sellers can come together. Now, buyers and sellers might be in the form of, you know, eBay's business model where literally people who want to sell things and people who want to buy things, which is similar to Amazon's business model come together, or it could be more opaque buyers and sellers like Facebook, because let's face it, um, there are advertisers who want to advertise to Facebook and there are people who, want, who are on Facebook who want to connect with one another. Those are buyers and sellers in, an, in, another, um, in another sense. Um, but the platform as a business model has become the dominant. And really for one reason, because we, if we can bring buyers and sellers together, they'll bring more buyers and sellers onto a platform. They'll share with more people they'll engage with more people and these things grow exponentially a bit like a forest fire mm-hmm. um, if you can start the fire with the right content then the buyers and sellers will come and that's exactly what's happened in, in, if you look at tiktok or instagram or any of the known sort of social network based uh based community platforms that's how they've grown but it's also frankly how every day uh, uh amazon is growing it's how um, offer up you know, now the largest uh, car dealership on in, in, in America, uh, more cars are bought and sold on the Offer Up platform than anywhere else. Um, that's really just buyers and sellers um, noticing that um, this is a great platform for, for buying and selling cars. So um, that network effect is very real and it's exponential. It doesn't grow just um, organically, it grows geometrically and very, very quickly. And so that's a really attractive for a business owner because it means that I don't have to invest a ton in marketing. I don't have to be in constant customer acquisition. I can actually just feed the platform and the users on the platform, the community, if you like, will do the work for me. So platform as a business model is one part of it. Um, A secondary uh, part of this is the more human side uh, of, of community, which is this idea that you know, right now, if you look at millennials and Gen Z, the stats are that I think one in three would classify themselves as lonely or very lonely. We have a belonging deficit in this country, and not in just in this country, but globally. People feel the needs, uh, it's basic human instinct to connect, to belong, um, and community is how we've traditionally done that. But as I was growing up, that community was defined by the local area that I lived in, and where I grew up. More often than not, that, that is now being replaced by digital community or digital belonging. Um, so my son who's 21 years old and recently moved to Los Angeles is connecting over social networks to create a group of friends. Um, and, and, and that's serving a, a very, very real need, especially during the lockdown and pandemic that we, we are still experiencing. That, that that idea of human belonging is being enabled and given lift by some of these platforms. And then there's the third thing, which is the marketing lens. Forever we've considered marketing in two ways. There's been mass marketing, so television advertising, where we're trying to reach many, many people. And then one-to-one marketing, where we're trying to understand an individual and what they might need and, and target them directly. But what's growing and growing in the middle, but we really don't understand very well is community marketing is how could we engage groups of people who identify with a particular issue, be it cycling or or, or de soleil or women's fashion or whatever it might be? Um, how might we engage that audience, participate in their community, and give them agency? And if we could do so at scale, then maybe they'll advocate on our, on, on our behalf, on behalf of our brand or our issue or wherever it might be. And so this third way of marketing is actually a third way of business, is growing exponentially, but we felt that we really didn't understand it particularly well, not as well as these areas of one-to-one and mass marketing. So we decided to spend some time and invest in trying to understand better what's community. Why does it exist? How does it grow? What are the characteristics of strong communities versus weak communities? How might um, businesses and organizations and governments access uh, ever stronger communities? And if the events of 2020 have taught us anything, it's that communities um, will have their voices heard, should have their voices heard, and can scale very, very quickly against a particular issue
0: wow yeah that's understated huh mm. <laughs> 2020 was an explosion of yeah. community <laughs> uprising both pro and con depending on where you sit i would imagine right um i'm glad to hear you have a 21 year old coming to the u.s where is he coming from the uk australia oh from australia so are you australian or are you a brit
1: yeah, i'm a bit of a mongrel at this point so i, I <laughs> i'm Born British, uh, lived twice in Australia and twice in America. I have one son in London and another one here.
0: Very nice. I had the pleasure of working in Melbourne twice and I absolutely love Aussies and I don't know I had a feeling you were going to be an Aussie but okay um, and I was on a symposium I have both
1: passports <laughs> okay good
0: for you I was on a symposium just a few days ago uh, with a college actually and, and a lot of these students are my audience uh, when I first reached out to you I think I told you that this podcast is sort of in two pods of, of demo we have the 18 to 24 like your son, the aspiring people in technology, performing arts, entertainment, and then the pivoters. I say I'm in my pirouette, you know, my third pirouette in do Doe, do where these people in their forties to sixties during this incredible year have made huge shifts because we're making seismic shifts in everything yeah. that we do, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I love Britain, I love Australia, but I'm here in Thousand Oaks and we have some high winds today. Um, oh yeah, I'm <laughs> in
1: Venice and, and I think it came across us. <laughs>
0: yes, and when you were talking about the fires, I was like, ugh, because we were like in the heart of them. You know, yeah, they were literally yeah. across the street just a few weeks ago. Can you talk to, uh, to the co- to the people who are watching this and listening to this podcast about ways to be involved? Because the ad agency invites you at so many levels, like you were talking about. There's sort of the the graphic side. There's the ad side that's about writing. There's about appealing to the marketing person. Um but how does someone sort of integrate into this business and what is the best way to apply? For example, in my business, the word creative director means something very different than in the world of the ad agency. So can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Uh, yeah, so the question is really how do you get involved? How do you get engaged?
0: Yeah and, and, and then once you're in you're involved, you know through what lens is it a great way to apply?
1: Yeah, um, good question. I can only speak from my own personal experience, really. Um, I, I think there are there are really two ways in to, to an organization like ours. And I wouldn't, by the way, define this as an advertising agency, because today we do a range of different things that advertising is just one kind of pillar of. Um,
0: how would you describe your agency? I mean, you you actually gave me so much information. Do you do you think of yourself more as a creative agency?
1: Creative company, yeah. That, creative that, company. So, so really, it's about flying creativity to solve whatever the business or brand problem may be for our client. Increasingly, well, look, here's a point of view. Um, The problem that we're dealing with today, and it's the fault of technology, um, which is not very popular amongst technology companies, but everything looks the damn same. My app for my airline, I couldn't distinguish one from the other. My app for my food delivery service, I couldn't distinguish one from another. Hell, my car even looks like every other car on the road. Right? Technology is a great commoditizer. It's been wonderful in terms of lifting us up and giving us amazing access and productivity and, and, and gains and benefits and connectivity. But at the same time, it's made the experience homogenous. And so it's our belief that this next chapter of um, the technical tr- technology transformation that we're all going through personally, professionally, is going to be about differentiation. And differentiation needs new thinking, new ideas, and creativity. So at the core of our company, the thing that we hold most precious of all is the ability to be creative. And that creativity is always applied, right? It's not creativity just for its own sake. It's in service of differentiation and in service of increasingly the end-to-end customer experience. So we call ourselves a creative company and we apply our creativity to business problems but uniquely through the lens of customers so being able to stand in the shoes of our of our not just our clients but our clients customers is is super important and so i think we do two things really well and perhaps this is an answer to your question how do you get in and what's the lens through which you should consider i think it's two things and it's probably two circles overlapping like a venn diagram on the one hand is um we embrace enhance and 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 help uh creative people find an outlet and on the other hand um we help people who know how know how to stand in another's shoes stand in the customer's shoes um, take a perspective from that uh, vantage point to solve problems Um, certainly that's been my journey was was I've, I've been a lifelong strategist, which is really about customer strategy. Standing in the, in the in the shoes of customers, walking a mile in their shoes, and understanding what it's like being, you know, a mother in Leeds, or a politician in in uh, Canberra, or, or or you know, corporate CEO in uh, New York City. What are the challenges that they face? What is the role for um, a brand in their lives, and how might we help help them solve their problems? So. Um, I think always being able to be a bit of a chameleon is important, um, bringing that lens. I think that's very similar, by the way, to uh, the Hollywood industry, writers <laughs> and, and, say, and directors.
0: I'm pointing uh, to myself. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: yeah, but, but that, that ability to morph and, and, and imagine yourself in someone else's life is essential to being able to tell rich stories and, and, and be relevant, and at the same time, uh, that's nothing without the freshness of, of creativity and new ideas. So that would be my answer, I think. Be able to stand in one or one or both of those uh, uh, territories.
0: I like that you used the Venn diagram. I was actually coaching a UK student today from Bath who heard me on the symposium and reached out for advice. And I used the Japanese term ikigai. And right,
1: yeah, yeah. It's
0: a sort of set of Venn diagrams that overlap yeah. to talk about our purpose, and I love the Japanese thought about that because you know, on the one hand, they're like cutting-edge youth, right, at the forefront of everything, and then there's the ancient tradition where you still have the women carrying things on their back, you know, and uh, and I love the integration of finding your purpose and your passion and where you fit in in the world. So it's really interesting that you would use that analogy.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny. We're we we're, we're actually part of a a holding company called Q. Um, I was
0: going to ask you what nine.
1: that was. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and Q ladders up ultimately into an organization called uh, Hakuhodo or Hdy, um, which is a Japanese business, 125 years old, um, and, uh, uh, and and their philosophy is around. Uh, seikatsu sha which means serving the whole human so we don't think Say about that consumers. again. seikatsu sha which means serving the whole human rather Katsusha. than thinking about people as as humans Hi. Uh, sorry as, as consumers so think about them as human beings with all sorts of things going on in their lives how do we best serve them rather than thinking about them as consumers or customers which yes. tends to narrow that uh, narrow that focus and uh, and i do think that you know particularly amongst uh, the millennial generations of Gen Z uh, that bringing your whole self to work and bringing your whole self to your purchases is incredibly important. Um, It's not enough to just have a great product proposition or a great brand. That brand has to encompass things that matter to us um, beyond just the purchase of the product or the functionality of it.
0: Yeah, you remind me of when I was in the agency world, I had the opportunity to rep an unusual uh, client who ended up being the first African-American spokesperson for a huge liquor brand for Tanqueray. Uh, The agency was gray. And the campaign was this made up character. I'm Tony Sinclair, are you ready to Tanqueray? And they were looking all over Britain for a famous African-American, African-Brit. And along comes my client, eight auditions later, he's from the Philly Projects. He's a hip hop artist, (laughs) non-union. And he invented this accent. He sort of did it like he was from the British Isles. And he, you know, it was when Roots was just coming up as a cool band. Now, of course, they play for The Tonight Show. And he got this job over... I mean, Lawrence Fishburne, the Wayans brothers, everybody, because he was so different. And the ad agency loved that, that he sort of created this character with them. But you speak to that about coming in with your whole self, because um, as a talent manager, people say you're so personal with your clients. I'm like, it's a personal business. Right, you're taking right. care of people and their souls and what they love and their passions. That's personal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, at as, as someone who is fortunate enough and privileged to to lead a group of people um if this pandemic has taught us anything it's that this line between who you are as a person and who you are as a professional is eviscerated right um and 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 likewise now on my 12 second commute um from the kitchen to (laughs) my lounge um
0: do you still hold on and pretend you're in the metro though and
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm reminded daily that that you know your work and your life need to be in congruence not in balance they, they live in parallel alongside one another this idea of balance work-life balance i gave up long long ago because it suggests that if there's weight on one side there needs to be an equal and opposite weight on the other side in order for things to be in balance but that just equals stress i think um, your work you need to work, work your work into your life and your life into your work and especially you know, as, as we sit today in our homes, um, trying to orchestrate hundreds of people and, and in an organization that no longer exists in a physical sense, then, you know, I think that idea of bringing your whole self matters more than it ever has. And we're never going back, right? We'll never go back to a situation where there's church and state where we separate one from the other.
0: I personally live my whole life like that, but I remember when I worked for an agency and walking into their box and their construct, you know, and I I used to hear that expression, you know, you play outside the box. And I'm like, but I live in a circle. (laughs) 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 It's just for this evolution. (laughs) Um, I would love to hear more about some of your campaigns if you would share a little bit. I know you're still newbie Mm. with a year and a half, but um, most recently I did see about the Emmy, but I also just keep coming back to this one about North Face because I like the idea yeah. of a reset button. We're all in a reset on a, on a major international level, right? In every way. So if you could speak yeah. to that, I'd love to hear about it.
1: Yeah, well, so the North Face has been um, a client and partner of ours for six years now. Um, and we've, we've always... Um, I, th- I think with them, what we found successful as a formula for creative work and marketing, um, marketing communications, was to be able to touch and comment on what was going on in the wider world and create context for the brand and relevance for the brand in its wider environment. Um, you know, we recognize that North Face lives on the top of the mountain, but also lives on the street. And so if you don't have that touchstone of, of culture, then the brand's just not relevant. And so whether it was, um, walls were meant for climbing, which was a, a piece of social commentary a couple of years ago, um, to She Moves Mountains, which was about not just recruiting uh, women into uh, mountain sports, but actually giving them platform and agency in a uh, traditionally male dominated environment of, of climbing. Um, and holding out the, the heroes. Um, what we did over the summer last year of, of moving summer base camp uh, off of the mountain and into your, into your bedroom or into your, your yard um, for parents with kids who were no longer co- going to camp, we created a virtual camp with the North Face athletes and created something called summer base camp, which is enormously successful. Which led us to um, the most recent campaign, which was about really a piece of commentary around what we were just talking about, that um, we crave normalcy, but I'm not sure we have the first idea what now normal is. And I, I, I resist the temptation to use the phrase new normal because I think it's bullshit, but we do have the opportunity to reset, to reset what we think is normal. Reset it in our lives, reset it in our societies and in our communities, reset it in terms of what we expect of our leaders, our world leaders and politicians, and certainly reset um, normal in terms of the way that we interact with one another. So really reset normal was, yeah, it was about North Face's commentary on what we think we need generationally to move forward in our societies and uh, a very powerful message we think. done very well um and you know and when you touch culture with these sorts of um pieces of commentary and you have a platform to do it like the north face does um it creates advocacy and advocacy is what helps brands grow
0: it's the part of advertising that appeals to me most because obviously at the end of the day it's about the dollar it's about the buck and the brand making a buck but the underlying, if you, if you really are raising some kind of awareness and and you can smell it when a brand isn't doing it authentically. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I, I, that really appeals to me. And uh, I also have a, a daughter who's a musician with green hair and tats and a rock band and she's 22, you know, and, and uh, I want, to see our young people encouraged to bring their art and music and ideas to that world, you know, because Odd Space needs reality and people need to know that their brands care about them. Yes. Yeah. So it's a it's a dual purpose.
1: Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And then look, I I'm a older guy now with gray hair, so I I I I. It looks great the- on you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, uh, I don't have a choice. So for me, as I've advanced in in years and advanced in, you know, my career, um, it provides you with, I think, a bit of a unique opportunity to to make the kinds of choices that are around not just doing well, but doing good. And if you can combine those two things, um, I I think then, then you have a career that makes a dent in the universe a little bit, anyway, in my own small way. Um, and certainly in, the, in, in terms of Sidley and our organization and you, our, our ambition is not just to do um, the work that has a commercial outcome, but that which provides propulsion for societies and economies.
0: So, if I could segue now back to an earlier comment, um, in mm-hmm. my world, it's very relationship based. You leverage your uh, colleagues and contacts in an authentic way and you develop relationships and one leads to another very rarely do you submit a resume and get a job it just doesn't happen very often I wanted to know about your space how it works because uh, for those people that are on the indeed and the monster and all of the ad uh, you know ads for for job hiring do you actually recruit from there or is it a relationship business or is it a little of both
1: it's probably a bit of both. I mean, uh, I know that we, we post job listings on LinkedIn and other job boards, and that's definitely a, an avenue. Um, but I think there's, you know, relationships are super important, especially in the more senior roles. Um, who do we know? It's a, it turns out that this industry that I once thought was vast and I couldn't possibly know everyone is much smaller than I thought it was. Um, And you know, uh, I've worked twenty-five years plus all over the world. I keep bumping into the same people in airports, so I don't know what's going on. But we—at least you're in
0: airports. (laughs) I haven't seen an airport in a year.
1: (laughs) Well, that's true. That's true. Reset normal. Um, But but yeah, look, I I think relationships endure, um, uh, and uh, relationships are really what matter. Um, I do think, though, with people coming in, and I know it's a very competitive job market, um, having people who have a strong point of view, and I call it a a strong opinion lightly held, is what matters. Um, uh, A a strong opinion strongly held tends to result in arrogance, but a strong opinion lightly held um, points, at least for me, to to someone who has a point of view and has thought about a subject but isn't so wedded to it that they're not open to listening and learning and adapting. And I think it's that combination that marks the, the real talent. Um, sure, sure.
0: Since you consider Sidley a creative company and not an ad agency as such, but yet you serve a lot of brands and messaging and storytelling, um, I imagine that you have a range of, um, positions, and that each person is sort of a little plug and an anchor, Uh, what are some of the titles in the senior positions for those that listen to this podcast and would aspire to be doing what you're doing?
1: Oh, uh, good question. So we're an eclectic bunch. So you might bump into an architect, a motion designer, a writer, writer a strategist, a program manager, um, a finance specialist, an HR leader, uh, um, a photographer. uh, uh, We even once had a clown on staff. I think we're the only organization I know of. that Clown? Yeah. Um, Well, that's an extension of
0: Cirque, or or was that something else?
1: I I think it was someone running an office. I don't His know. Snow's um,
0: probably matched the cover of my microphone here.
1: There you go. Yeah. Could have been. Could have been. Um, but but it, I, I think people grow up in, in one of four roles in our organization. There's those who are creative, creators, and makers. Um, so they might be your designers, your creative directors, your, your um, writers and artists, motion designers, etc. Um, there are those that come up through the strategy ranks. So they're typically researchers, analysts that grow into strategists who help take a a bunch of complex information and distill it down and and find what's motivating in that and crystallize the proposition, the brief, the customer. Um, Then there's the client partners, and um, they're really about Understanding the needs of the client, being a trusted advisor to them, orchestrating um, the, the range of actors that we might need to solve a particular problem and, and seeing that through. Um, and really getting standing in the shoes, if you like, of the client and representing them back in the organization. And then there's program management, which is which is all about making sure that um, the team has the resources that they need, making sure that the trains run on time, you know. We're typically orchestrating integrated programs of work that are complex, multiple players in there, and there are people that are smart-minded, organisation and process-oriented that we need to make that that happen. You can't just have a bunch of crazy creative people running around because they're they're great, but they don't get stuff done on their own. <laughs> so we we need we need that blend on a, on a, on any particular team, any particular project, but certainly. If you think about vertically through the organisation, that's how people kind of ascend. I think is is by first of all become, becoming T-shaped, but start by becoming, you know, a vertical uh, capability, and then spread out as they become more senior to be able to be adaptive across all four of those areas of, of uh,
0: expertise. What advice would you give your 18 to 22 year old self about career and uh, maybe what you've learned in reflection?
1: Uh, I, it's a really good question. There's something I, I, I've actually been thinking about this a little bit recently because I grew up very insecure um, and I suffer from a terrible sense of imposter syndrome. Um, I think I'm gonna be found out any day, any moment. And that's less intense than it was when I was 18 or 20, but it's still there. And, and if I could do anything, if I could wave a magic wand it would be to eviscerate that from my sense of self when I was 18, e- eviscerate the diet, um, be humble, but develop a greater sense of confidence and courage of your own convictions. You know, they say fortune favors the brave, um, that's true. Uh, you almost can't fail in your career as long as you're moving forward. And, who's to say what success and failure is anyway at the end of the day is it what's the measure of that it's it's actually in your own experiences so i think if i would offer advice to myself it would be courage of your conviction convictions and and stop the doubt
0: and is that the same advice you'd give your two sons um
1: Yes, it would also be nothing, nothing good happens after midnight.
0: (laughs) It's always 8am somewhere. (laughs) You should know that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, I can't thank you enough, Andy. Um, There's something I have to say, I have very good intuition about people. And I got this personality right off the page from you. So I really appreciate your responding. And uh, I am so excited to share your story and also your advice, because I do think that now more than ever, people of all age need to be encouraged to follow their passion and to believe that beyond the Zoom squares that we exist in now, that we are going to be collaborating and be on teams and integrate for a greater purpose.